On this week's Dose, we have Josh Cliffords, founder of Freewater, the world's first negatively priced physical product. It's free, it donates to charity, and they still make money on it. Josh has a story unlike any other founder we've ever interviewed. While traveling the world, he learned firsthand about the massive problem of access to clean water, and he was inspired to drop everything and help the cause. Fast forward to today, and Freewater is gaining incredible traction with over 800,000 followers across social media through viral videos of people reacting to their revolutionary idea. Beyond their mission to save 50 million lives, the startup is also reimagining the way that companies advertise through negatively priced physical products. Essentially, that means that the product is free to the consumer and also donates to charity. And with early proof of concept in the water space, Freewater has ambitious plans to expand their model into other products like free food, free beer, even a free vending machine, which is coming soon, and eventually free supermarkets. Let's just say this was quite the pill to swallow, but Josh's vision combined with Freewater's mission made this as intriguing as any episode we've recorded thus far. And with that, here's our conversation with Josh for free. <laughs> Is he here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. For this week's dose, we welcome on Josh Clifford, the founder of Freewater. Uh, welcome on the show, Josh. Thanks for having me, you guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're super pumped to hear your story um, and hear about this really unique business and Austin local startup. So always excited to highlight uh, one from the hometown here. Uh, I guess if you could just give us your broader background. You were giving us a good feel for kind of the crazy journey you've had in your in your professional career. Uh, let us know what got you to founding and starting Freewater uh, and that journey that led up to it. Uh, yeah, I'm 37 now in my mid 20s. I used to own a gym for athletes. I sold it. I bought an RV and traveled around America for a year and a half. When I ran out of gas money, I sold the RV, went to South America for a while. Uh, I was looking to really push myself. So I enlisted in the army to go from civilian to Green Beret. And then I fractured my back jumping out of an airplane and then broke my leg in the woods later. And so I was like medically released from the army. And so when I got out, I was in my late 20s and I decided I was going to go on a trip around the world. So I sold everything I owned. My goal was 100 countries in four years. And wow. I was 25% of the way done with that trip. And I met these two Nigerian brothers in Rome and their story was so sad. I canceled my trip. I started a nonprofit called Save the Refugees in Eastern Europe. And we helped more than 10,000 refugees and speaking to those people we realized a quarter of them left their country because they didn't have water or food or medicine. And that opened my eyes to an overall problem. And I wanted to create an out of the box solution to solve it. And here we are. Holy cow. That's quite, <laughs> quite a wild story to, to get there. So you, you cut your trip short there. You met these two brothers from Nigeria. Um, 
are you still doing that that nonprofit, or have you shifted all focus to to today with free water? Shifted all focus. The nonprofit still runs itself, and so mm-hmm. it's um, it's still open, uh, and it, they're training and helping children uh, to learn other languages, English and German, and it's still doing great things. But that's how I got here. Um, global water crisis, global food crisis. These are real problems. Um, but the interesting phenomenon is here in the US, we're the biggest food wasters in the world. So 30% of all groceries go straight from the supermarket shelf and into the trash because they're too expensive. So free supermarkets across the United States in the future cuts USA food waste by 30%, which is massive. And so by saving people money, our products also happen to donate to charity back to these very important causes. So what we, we changed the experience behind donating to charity as something that could have been an inconvenience or cumbersome. And now it's as simple as saving money on your groceries. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We want to hear a little bit more about how the idea came to be with this new business model, uh, Pretty revolutionary stuff. But did you always become? Did you always plan on becoming a founder of a startup? We're wondering. No, this is the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do. When I invented this, <laughs> I was like full. When I fully started this, I was retired, living on the beach in the Mediterranean, and I did not want to do anything ever again. Uh, when I realized, like, wow, we could save 50 million lives a year, the first thing I did was quit. Like, oh, no, I don't want to do, disrupt all these companies. That sounds dangerous and hard work. And I didn't know how to type or use a computer five years ago. So for me to be the founder of a tech company, I started below scratch. I had a, I'd never even written a Word document at the time. So wow. now I know a ton about software architecture and beyond. So... I, I kind of run off guilt. A lot of founders do it because they want to disrupt something or because they want to make a lot of money. I work on this simply because we're going to save 50 million lives a year within this decade. That's that's incredible. Could you just elaborate a little bit more on the idea here with free water? And also if there was, I mean, you've already mentioned a couple, but if there was one specific like, wow, I cannot pass on this opportunity. I got to drop everything and put all my effort towards this. Yeah, so um, our, we, today we offer free spring water and aluminum bottles and paper cartons. And I'm a paper carton on me. And the water's free because the packaging is the ad space. Like here's a gel blasters ad right here, which is a, a gel Nerf gun sort of system, but not Nerf. And um, it works because the cost of manufacturing all products is going down. The price of advertising is only going up. And everybody has a phone in their pocket with more computing power than we originally put people on the moon with. And so it's just a lot. It's an interesting time in history. Now, to even dive a little deeper in the United States, we have an interesting advertising phenomenon. The advertising medium that has always had the highest ROI in the USA is the junk mail and the physical mailbox at your house. Hmm. 29%. It still does, and it always will have the highest ROI. So you look at something, you throw it away. You look at something, you throw it away, including the stamp that's a minimum of 50 cents per impression. So cost of impression is five bucks and up. Or you could spend a dollar on this at scale, and I'm going to look at it 10 times before I'm done drinking it. It's got a two-year shelf life. It's refillable. Um, But most importantly, our advertising medium makes you happy. Other ad mediums attack you and inconvenience you, our audience comes to us. So it's a 180. 
They're happy they're saving money. They're happy we're, we're trying to do it in the most eco-friendly manner possible. They're happy we're donating to charity. And from that happiness is when you should see this gel blasters ad or a Nike ad versus I love basketball. Too many times at the end of the basketball game in the last five minutes, there's a million fouls and a million commercials. I <laughs> want to watch those commercials. I want to watch the game. And so we make people happy. And that it, it, it changes advertising because in the future, when you're having free, you know, sitting around the dinner table with your family and all those groceries are for free, you're going to look back like, holy crap. 10 years ago, this meal would have cost me a lot of money. Who's responsible for this? And you're going to look at the can and it's going to say like Adidas, right? Next time you go buy a pair of shoes, you're not getting Nike. You're not getting Reebok. You're not getting Vans. You're going to go support the brands who literally put food on your table. And so it's it's a certain level of reciprocity that comes into this as well. Yeah, it's, it's ingenious. Um... And we wanted to ask a little bit more about the types of advertisers uh, that you're that you currently have and that you're targeting, and how has that been pitching this new ad medium? I'm sure you're saying some of the similar stuff, the stats that you just cited about the physical medium of of direct mail and making that comparison. How has that been received, and what's the strategy for getting great great advertisers? So. To date, we have not had to turn an advertiser down. And what that means is like nobody's asked us to advertise something that we thought was not ethical. However, a lot of politicians are starting to reach out and we're telling them that we want to have a no fake news policy, meaning we want you to sign in the operating agreement that you're held responsible for up to a million in damages. And so, so far we have not had a politician sign that form, but we've had other people sign it if they were also kind of gamey advertisers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so to date, all of our ad revenue came inbound uh, because people had discovered us on social media. And wow. so we don't, we don't pay for this. We don't do anything. Um, we get more and more traffic to our website every month. In the last 30 days, we had 190,000 unique people visit our website. A lot of those people looking for free stuff and some of them advertisers or people looking for more info about investing. Next year, we start going outbound. And so we will focus on certain verticals um, in which we have no competition because uh, Google or billboards or Facebook or Nestle or nobody could service these sort of verticals. And we'll use them to gain traction, sell more products and give us the time to build out our tech platform, which one day when we do go head to head with Facebook and Google and TikTok in their own backyard, uh, we'll win that battle just because there's a lot of flaws in what they're doing as well. And do you find it difficult or just what's the general reaction when in the future, I guess, when you start approaching companies to propose this new medium of advertising? Well, again, to date, they've all reached out to us. And so it's pretty easy. And a lot of people reach out and they already have an idea in mind. Um, some people say, hey, I want to put me and my husband on there for our wedding and we want to order a few thousand or, hey, I want this or, hey, I want that. And so a lot of people already have an idea in their mind. Next year, when we go outbound, we're going to be focusing on three verticals, no particular order. One is hotels. Number two are advertisers looking for college students. And number three are 
corporate offices that are spending money on bottled water for their employees. They're buying the bottled water and they're giving it to their employees because guess what? If they're paying for Fiji, if they're paying for Evian, if they're paying for an expensive water, they're already spending more money than we charge. But guess what? They should put the important stuff that's important to their corporation on the packaging. Like, this is what you need to know. Mm -hmm. This is what you shouldn't do. And don't do these things or we might get hacked one day. And so in certain <laughs> verticals, in certain verticals, it's going to be a no brainer because they go zero out of pocket. They're already spending money on water. It's just the Sony or Evian is not going to allow people to put their own message on there. And so, I mean, I don't think there'll be any pushback in some of these verticals. Cause it's like, wait, you're going to save us money and help us and your product donates to charity. Like, let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this. You've probably gotten this question before, but how has nobody come up with this before? Um, what are some of the challenges that you envision? And is this proprietary? So are there is there any reason anybody else would be able to come in and do this same sort of business model? So the reason why I believe it hasn't been done before is it's counterintuitive because a lot of people um, when they have, when they make a product, they use their real estate to brand themselves. So like, check this out. Here's a random tissue box on this desk right here. Perfect mm -hmm. billboard. They've chosen to use this real estate to talk about their bamboo tissue brand, but they would make a lot more money if this was a Nike ad, an Airbnb ad, an Amazon ad. And so that's why it's counterintuitive is people use their real estate to brand themselves. There's also social norms. So if Pepsi called Coca-Cola right now and said, can I pay you to advertise on your can? They would say no way, but they should say yes, because they would one to 10 times their revenue. And so brands like Coca-Cola care more about their logo than in many t cases, 10 xing their revenue. And so that's that's the better question. Like, should a brand like Coke or McDonald's care more about making money or their their logo? And I think that it should be about making money if you're a for-profit business, right? And so that's why. And so if Pepsi, and they can't copy today because if you're a publicly traded beverage company like Pepsi or Coke, if they change their 100-year-old business model and put ads on the packaging, their stock will plummet because you can't be a publicly traded company and pivot quickly like Facebook going to Meta or that's why Musk took Twitter private as he you know, does some construction right now. And so, yeah, I just think it's it's a cultural norm thing. And now when it comes to IP, I open sourced everything, meaning I didn't think it was very ethical to be the per that person that patented uh, free and negatively priced water, food or medicine. And so I made sure nobody could patent any of these things. Hmm. Um, and what I did is I publicly spoke about all over the Internet every way that you could make these things possible because I want it to be a foot race because like. Let's say if you and Brandon, Sam, open up a better free supermarket that donates more money to charity than me, and that's how you put us out of business, we still save 50 million lives. And if Coke called us right now, we would tell them all of our secrets because I don't think there should be any competition if you're trying to end global famine. I love that. I mean, that's super impressive. And um, to, to pivot really quick, I know the team at Freewater is in the process of crowdfunding. Um, so we'd love to hear that's a little bit different than what we covered traditionally on Venture Pill. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that process works and how that helps in terms of fundraising to reach your goals of 
saving 50 million lives and all the other great initiatives at Freewater. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll just add one more thing about IP. While I did open, make sure that nobody could patent a lot of these things, uh, we're launching our first free vending machine prototypes for South by Southwest. And that's going to awesome. blow people's minds. But we're using that for, to raise the money for the second version of our free vending machine. And when we launch that, we're 10 million steps ahead of Coke and Pepsi, Amazon, Google, you name it. And within that machine, there will be proprietary technologies that only we own because mm -hmm. it's shrinking everything down into a single machine where the magic will happen. And I can't tell you what will be patented or protected now because you won't really know until you're sitting there making the sausage sort of thing. Now, when it comes to the crowdfunding, uh, we went with fundraiser.com because Kickstarter and Indiegogo take 10%. Now, knowing that we also knew that a lot of people hang out on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So if you launch on those platforms, you do get a lot of business from the platform itself. Uh, since we've got 800,000 plus social media followers across all platforms, we've essentially made a website on fundraiser. That's what it is. It's like a single page and we don't run it. We don't work hard doing it. Um, it drives traffic there. I think we've brought in just under 20,000 so far, and that helped pay for our first hardware for the first free vending machine. So it's always nice when you could raise funds as a donation, no equity transfers, right? I mean, it's free yeah. money. <laughs> free money goes along with the, with the free water and free food. <laughs> Every, everything's free. <laughs> um, well, that's great. So yeah, I, I had heard about the free vending machine. So is that, is that going to be like the next step in the journey? I guess take us, take us through what you envision from free water to free vending machine. How does that become free supermarket and everything else? Well, again, um, based off the price of advertising, if we had more ad agencies behind us, we could we could make the free supermarket today. Um, but as of right now, it's one step at one product at a time. Amazon's first product was books. They used books to create a logistics network where they had the books go into your doorstep. Once they did that, they added one product at a time. And now we're spoiled 25 years later. It's the Amazon we know today. And so that's what we're doing with negatively priced water. We're creating a new types of logistic network. And again, you'll get free products from us one of three ways, a free super our supermarkets and HEB or Whole Foods. They're going to get rid of our products because we're going to pay them to give it away. And in many cases, they'll get paid more money to give away our free products and they could earn selling Fiji water, for example, um, direct to your doorstep. And once we've got one product going direct to your doorstep, that's when we add the free beer and everything else and free laptops, free clothing, you name it. Um, and now vending machines. And so at South by what you're going to see with the first free vending machine is you're going to download our app and for every 30 seconds of content consumed, you get a vending machine credit. And then you just walk up to the machine boop, with QR code or NFC. And that simple process limits it to one to three free beverages per person per day. Otherwise some people might be inclined to empty the whole machine, right? Mm -hmm. Now vending machine 2.0, all under one machine, we're going to have the label printer, the label applicator, and bidding algorithm. So if the three of us uh, found a machine in downtown Austin and we all scanned it, we would all get individualized artwork on the packaging. And so that means that we're going to earn 
Google AdWords like money for every individual artwork. And so sometimes Google AdWords, just one click, thousand bucks. And so what you'll see is like a free vending machine in a place like Flint, Michigan, we'll still get a buck, we'll be profitable. The people of Flint will finally get some water. But in places like London, Tokyo, New York City, uh, really upper scale neighborhoods, we're gonna average 30, 40, 50, 60, $70 per bottle. And that's just off the physical artwork. But in the near future, we're also gonna charge 3% for all purchases on our platform. So let's say you buy a t-shirt, a laptop or a car, that's 3%. You buy an F-150 off of the can, we make $1,500 commission off of a water that was already profitable. And so it eventually scales to a new type of app store. And so uh, Apple's app store just lives in Apple phones. Google's app store just lives in Google phones. They're both very limited. You can't have Google's phone and the Apple phone or store in the Apple phone and vice versa. Um, but we're creating a new type of QR code based app store that lives on non-electronic surfaces. So uh, that farmer in Australia who's growing potatoes is going to put our app store on his bag of potatoes because it's going to drive more revenue and we're going to split it with them. And so same thing, if you have an app in our app store, guess what? Apple and Google charge you 30% of all of your revenue. We're going to do the same. I told you guys it's going to be an odd conversation. <laughs> <laughs> how do you just effectively kind of make sure that nowhere along the way you're in over your skis and you're also like making sure that you're, you know, scaling responsibly and effectively so that you can eventually build up to reaching all of those goals. Um, it's just like such an incredible roadmap you just laid out there, but it's, you know, so much at once. And I understand it's step by step, so, but still. Absolutely. So uh, next year we've created the perfect storm. And so just in North America, the lower 48 states, we've got 250 million beverages we could sell in the lower 48 states. Uh, if, we don't, if we don't sell it, our manufacturers might not manufacture it. And um, we've got the, also another 250 million available to sell in Canada. And we've got 10 million available to sell in the UK if we go to Europe. And another five or 10 million available in Spain so far. Now manufacturers from around the world are reaching out to us now like, come to our country and we want to do business with you. A lot of people in Germany uh, want us to launch free beer there. They don't want us to start with water one day when we get to <laughs> Germany. Germans love beer, they want free beer and free chocolate bars. And so that's the beauty is like the, the, the chess pieces are kind of moving for us now. Um, a lot of people are reaching out like, you know what? I own the biggest spring in the state of Ohio. I haven't even put a well there or capped it. I don't want to do business with Coke, Pepsi, or Nestle. I'm just going to wait so I could do business with you one day. And we get these calls every few days now. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I would say things really change when we're manufacturing the water ourselves one day, then our cost per unit drops by 60, 70% of the current prices. And so what we've, what we've done today is we've proven that, hey, even with uh, no economies of scale and not being efficient, we make money. And as we achieve greater economies of scale, our price only goes down and our quality goes up, the tech goes up. And so we've already accomplished the hardest parts, in my opinion. Yeah, and it seems like, and I'd be curious to hear how much you think 
the social media success and the virality has contributed to all of this inbound interest from advertisers, from suppliers. Uh, but I would think that the success you guys have with over 800,000 uh, followers across platforms, that's probably been the main driver of this inbound interest. Is that, would, would you say that's correct? 100%. And so um, we had one video with an angry British guy. I think it's received 100 million impressions across all platforms alone just oh, in the last 60 man. days. And so this is organic. We don't spend money on our push. And so I believe our hashtag free water across all platforms in the last 12 months got 200 million impressions. And next year, our goal is to cross the point of a billion. Yeah. And, and we do that. And we do that for zero. Other brands spend a lot of money on this sort of stuff. We don't spend a penny. Yeah, I, I think we've seen the videos. Uh, we've seen the guys out on the pedestrian bridge here in Austin. And you just get great reactions from people like, this water's free? What, what's going on? So it's just a self-promoting virality component that, that yeah, that, that's just awesome. Um, any any strategy behind that? Like, it seems... It seems like it, it sells itself, but there's got to be some strategy behind the social media success that you've had. Yeah, it's all about the why. And so a lot of people, when they get a free water, their response is water should be free anyways. And so a lot of people agree with what we believe, which we aim to make water, food and medicine free for everybody, available to everybody and done in the most eco-friendly manner possible. Not many people are going to argue that belief. And so it's the power of people believing in what we're trying to accomplish. But also, like, usually beverage companies or food companies, their videos are like, taste my water. It's the best tasting water in the world. Or like, look at my chocolate bar. Mmm, good. Drink <laughs> water, right? Like, a lot of people know what water tastes like. And so our videos, instead of focusing on the taste or quality, which is definitely there, we focus on people's reactions to learning that it's free. And it also donates to charity because that's what catches them off guard. They're like, okay, it's free. And we're like, and it donates to charity. So first you told me that it's free. Now you're telling me I got to make a donation to charity. We're like, no, we do that too. And then they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's that conversation that that gets it the ball rolling right and so the interesting phenomenon is if you get a free water from us you're sold for the rest of your life i want free water i want free pizza i want free ubers i want free clothing i want free computers but if you see a video of somebody getting a free water you're equally as sold you want everything for free for the rest of your life so we use the social media to create the global expectation that not only are these things going to be free or negatively priced, but they're going to be available. This is happening. It doesn't matter like what Coke or Pepsi or Amazon or anyone wants. It's happening. They're expecting it. They're excited for it. And we could quit today and it's still going to happen. And could you just touch up a little bit more about which charity those proceeds may go to? I think you mentioned a percentage of each purchase. And I think according to your website, it's around 10% of each bottle of water or proceeds. So we currently, so every free product will have a different charitable cause. Free water donates to the global water crisis. Why? Um, 800 million people don't have access to water. Uh, cost to end the global water crisis permanently is $10 billion or less. That's not very much. The average American drinks up to six bottles of water per day. 
So our goal with free water is to give 10% of the U.S. one water per day to start. And then we're donating more than a billion to the global water crisis. When we give 10% of people six, we're donating 7.5 billion a year to the global water crisis. When we achieve that 10% rule, we end the global water crisis permanently within 48 months without a penny of tax dollars, which is most important. Then free beer will have a different cause, free bananas, free pizza, all different causes, right? And so uh, we didn't want to make a donation to a charity that wasn't spending the money correctly. And so we donate to Well Aware, which is an Austin-based women's-led nonprofit. Why Well Aware? Because they're one of the few nonprofits that builds water wells in Africa that we found in the U.S. that has a 100% lifetime guarantee on their work. Um, in the last decade, 60% of all water wells built by American nonprofits in Africa have failed in the first 90 to 180 days, and they don't wow. fix it. And they don't fix it. So we, we're willing to pay a little bit more per well or whatever to guarantee that it works for life. And so that's pretty cool because for well aware, every $15 you donate to them gives somebody water for the rest of their life guaranteed. So that means... For every 150 we give out right now, we we basically save a life, and we're we're trying to get that number down to 75 next. Let me uh, just get into logistics here a little bit in a theoretical scenario. Sam and I are founders of Venture Pill Industries, huge company in Austin, and we want to do like what you mentioned earlier, where maybe instead of buying you know Evian or whatever brand name water, we want to proceed with free water. A little curious what like pricing would look like and logistics and just how that whole process might look. Sure. So we offer aluminum bottles and paper cartons. There's pros and cons to both. Aluminum is way more expensive, but it's more likely to be refilled. And so the minimum order quantity on an aluminum bottle order is a pallet, which is just south of 1700 waters. But in that low of quantity, including shipping it to your business, because that's 1900 pounds of H2O, it's about $1.90 a unit. If you wanted these to be at a buck, you would have to pony up and order about 80,000 of them. Now with the paper cartons, they started a buck. Uh, less likely to be refilled, but they have more ad space and four equal sides. Uh, the minimum order on those are 10,000 and they're a buck a pop. And so the bigger the quantities, the cheaper the price. Now, where things get kind of like twisted is we, we, we include a few hours of design help in your order, but we've had some advertisers that needed like 25 hours of help. They didn't have a logo. They, there was a lot of back and forth. So after the first three hours, we charge 50 bucks an hour because that's what we pay our graphic designer. And now let's say if you wanted 100,000 waters and you were in Mississippi or you're in California, doesn't matter, Washington State. Now, if you're like, hey, how much is 100,000 waters? It's 100K plus shipping, and we'll ship them right to you. But what if they said, well, we want you to distribute 100,000 waters for us in Austin, Texas, or let's say New York City? Well, then that's more of a logistics here because that's 120,000 pounds of H2O. Is it in the summertime in Austin where it's 100 degrees outside? These things need to be chilled. Is it wintertime where it could be room temperature? How many truckloads is that? What frequency do you need it distributed? We, we pay for monthly on our storage. We would have to charge extra for storage. So they're, you know, it, the devil's in the details, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, also, we add augmented reality to the packaging if you want. That's another layer of artwork that we don't include. So maybe you guys wanted to advertise in the quote unquote metaverse. Um, so there's there's a lot of you know ways that you could customize it and it would go from there. Yeah, that's fascinating. Augmented reality would be uh, just a whole nother level of what in the world is in my hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, I get it. These are weird topics, but I want to point out is I had recognized that this was already a phenomenon in software. I'm 37, I'm old, but I used to pay for video games in the nineties. Then when Fortnite came out, like, you know, all the big game manufacturers, like no one wants free video games, but now most games are free. And some of those free video games pay you to play them. Maybe they mint NFTs while you play, they're doing crypto. So those video games are negatively priced. Or you look at like Ecosia, it's a German search engine. It's free and like 70% of their revenue or profit plants trees. So I look at that, okay, that's negative 170. But this didn't really go on in the physical world. There's really only one thing in the physical world that represents this. And today it's the solar panel. You buy the solar panel with regular straight up capitalism and you throw it on your roof. But guess what? It shares the electricity you're not using with the grid. So that's the sharing economy. That's like Uber, Airbnb, Facebook. And then one day it pays itself off. And for a split second, it's at zero. It's like neutral. And then it pays you. It goes negative, right? And so I saw like, oh, wow, everything's going to go free and negative one day anyways. Might as well set the bar really high right now and um, get people to compete at us at who could go more negative. Because like, let's say Sam opens up a, a free water company in the future and he says, you know what, screw you guys at free water. We're going free and we're going to go 15 cents to charity. And the next day we'll go 20. <laughs> and then Brandon's going to go 25 and we'll go 30. So like, <laughs> what does that competition in the future look like? You're going to compete with us at who could save the most lives? like. That's the sort of competition that we want to be proud of, of involving ourselves in. And I think that that's what business should be like, like not, hey, I'll do whatever it takes to compete with you, even if I make the world a worse place. Like, I don't I don't really think that people should waste their time on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's safe to say that that view in that business model and kind of that way of doing business is different than any other company we've certainly covered on venture pill and i would say your journey <laughs> your journey and your philosophy is also very different we always like to ask our founders just advice advice for folks that listen to this show who would like to start a company or join a startup or invest in startups your journey into this world was very unconventional um what perspective could you share of and maybe folks that feel like they're an outsider to the industry I'm going to give a very different perspective than most. Number one is you should get out of America or get out of whatever country you're in um, and go somewhere that's affordable while you learn the skills needed to invent the next wheel. Go live on the beach in Thailand for 300 bucks a month. Or I was living in Eastern Europe. Our rent was 200 bucks a month for a fully furnished apartment, all utilities cable paid for. So that gave wow. me infinite runway to invent anything that I wanted to invent, right? Um, but now, like, the writing's on the wall. Do you see the chat GDP? Have you messed with that chat bot yeah. yet? Yeah. So anyone who's a coder, you've got three to five years before your job's obsolete. Anyone who's a data scientist, you're out of the job in three to five years. 
anybody who wants to be a journalist, you're really already out of the job. Uh, lawyers, you're not going to have a future. Um, so <laughs> basically, if I was a student, I don't want to sound negative, unless I was going to be a school teacher or some job that you needed to have a degree, I would drop out immediately, enjoy life. Um, I would not be worried about what job I'm going to do, I would be worried about enjoying life right now because no one's going to have a job in the near future unless you're the CEO of a company and you're the boss of these robots. Yeah. So go, go enjoy life. Go, go have fun. Go have great experiences in your 20s or 30s. And if you're like me and you on accident stumble across a problem that like bothers you so much, you'll do anything to fix it then you've got it but don't be that person like oh, i quit my job at google or i've got i've got nine months of runway to invent some sort of cool thing i don't know what it is you don't want to be in that situation where like i've got nine months of runway and i've got to invent something special go go have unlimited runway great experiences from living on the beach in thailand or bali or costa rica and, and seeing a bunch of cool stuff speaking a different language eating great meals, meeting great people from that sort of happiness and experiencing the world. Maybe you could get lucky like I did and invent something special. Wow. I, I love it. I think that's, that's just a valuable lesson there. And another, you know, this has been an unconventional interview through and through, and uh, this just furthers that. Um, Real quick, I know we're bouncing around a little bit here, but I'm curious, and I know things evolve and change over time, and you kind of already mentioned how sometimes going public can cause issues in terms of changing up strategy and difficult to be mobile. Um, but do you see in the future free water going public in any capacity? Yeah, I would. I, I won't 100% guarantee we will because there's some advantages to staying private, but I see us being publicly traded uh, in 24 months, uh, 36 is extremely conservative, the fastest 18. Um, but we won't lose control simply because a we'll have super shares between the founders. So, uh, it's our way or the highway. And since I open sourced everything and gave away all of my ideas, it's the ultimate, um, Usually investors are like, oh, we want you to have patents and control over all this stuff. But guess what? If you've got patents owned by the company and you get kicked out of your own company, you can't work on your idea ever again. And so if I don't like the way that this company is going in one year, five years, 10 years, I'll walk. I'll make a new company and put this one out of business because I'm one of the few people in this whole planet who knows how to make groceries free with no ads and we still make money. And so if I was richer today, uh, we need a hundred million to invest in the infrastructure for that model. So our current model of ads on the packaging and one day individualized content on the packaging, uh, that's all going to get disrupted by free groceries with no ads and we're still going to make money. And so that's what I want to point out is we'll be public. Uh, we'll be the world's first publicly traded company that has a negative value proposition. And that there's not just one way to make things free or negatively priced. I've already created like 25. And so as far as I'm concerned, there's thousands. You just sat there and racked your brain around it. And so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like we need to <laughs> dedicate a whole separate interview to talk through all the ways to 
make negatively priced products. Uh, incredible. Um, maybe a conversation for another time, uh, Josh. We really appreciate all the all the time you've given us and and just the great perspective. Um, quick thing to wrap up the interview. We always want to get our founders. Uh, uh, suggestion of any other startups that you're tracking outside of your own. Uh, maybe it's some Austin, maybe it's some capital factory companies, uh, ones that we should follow or that our listeners should check out. Um, I, there is one capital factory company. Um, I like the way that their user experience is. I'm really picky with software. And so there, I don't know if they're going through a name change in the future. They said they might, but their name's Maple. And it's a it's a mobile app. It's like Tinder meets uh, Eventbrite meets other things. Um, I really love the the time they put into their UX. And I think a lot of founders have really great ideas, but when they go to make their app or their website, they really drop the ball on the user experience. Um, and Maple did an unbelievable job at creating that. Um, and on top of that, you know, crowd candy, they're launching like, a, I would call it a Kickstarter for shares, but it's tokens. Maple's going to be doing a crowdfunding campaign on their platform one day. So I can't mention Maple without doing a shout out to crowd candy simply because they're going to help them launch and raise capital. But I really love Maple's user experience. So we heard about Maple before from Dustin Bell, who pops into Capital Factory every now and then. He's the CEO and founder of Cardio, um, but just exciting to hear a double down on Maple. And uh, before we let you go, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you, follow you, you know, basically keep, keep tabs on what's going on at Freewater? If you want to reach me personally, you could reach out to me at LinkedIn. My name's Josh Cliffords, or you could come to our website, freewater.io, or follow the journey on uh, you know, Insta, TikTok, or YouTube. It's also Freewater. Fantastic. Well, Josh, an, an incredible interview today. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, happy to share the story and support your mission to save 50 million lives. Uh, we're rooting you. for you. Could be a big, big Austin success story. So we'll do our best to, to help spread the word. No, thank you. And thanks for having me. It means a lot. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibes a little okey, okey, dokey. That's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do.